I'm your host, Mehek Kondru. And I'm your host, Demetria Wack. Today on PolicyWise, we are extremely excited to have council member Jewel Hurtado from Kingsburg, California. She's one of the youngest council members, I think in probably all of U.S. history. I asked our council to recognize June as LGBTQ plus Pride Month. But unfortunately, it was met with resistance. 2021 is one of the worst years for anti-LGBTQ plus legislation and different state legislators across. This past year has been kind of an awakening for a lot of young people and realized that the world may not necessarily want to listen to young people. And when people hear that, they're just like, what? No, you didn't. You're a queer politician. But we'll go into that a little bit more later. Jewel, do you have anything um, you would like to say and add to your bio? Maybe give us a little bit of background on how you wound up running in the first place. Sure. Hello, everybody. I'm super excited to be here today. I want to start off by saying, well, we can hear my kid is back in we're in the backyard together, so he's three years old, so that's kind of what I want to add to my bio, is I am a mother, and um, I have a son with special needs, uh, specifically autism, and so he is a yeller, so he's going to be in the background today. Um, don't mind him. He's just playing with lemons. Oh, I think a lot of people really focus on the you know young elected part, and gosh, it was just so cool that she could do that. But at the same time, I'm a student. I just transfer. I'm just transferring this semester to. Um, I'm sorry, in fall, to CSU Bakersfield. Um, I'm a. I'm a sister. I'm a mom, um, and I'm and I'm just a part of the community like everybody else. So I do a lot of stuff. I serve on a lot of different boards for nonprofits, um, and for central committee and things like that. But at the end of the day. I'm an older sister, Hanjuda. Got my brother right here. And um, just excited to, to be on and talk with you guys today. Well, amazing. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time to be with us. It's just really amazing to have you here, to also have your son here, and to, to hear about all the other stuff that's going on in your life and how that relates um, to the work that you're doing for Kingsburg and beyond. And also congratulations on starting your school in the fall. So um, could you maybe walk us through some of the... I don't know, biggest things that you've been working on since since being elected into your role? Sure, yeah. So I got elected back in 2018. Um, and to your point, I was only 20 years old when I got elected, 19 when I ran. And I think a lot of people's initial questions were, you know, how can you know really anything about city government at the age of 19 and 20? Um, but, you know, the reality is, is I had been paying attention uh, for a lot of my teenage years by the age of 18, I was on our Community Services Commission, which is, um, you know, kind of one of those sideboards that gives recommendation to the city council on park and uh, parks and rec activity in the city. And so parks and rec were kind of what sparked my interest into city government. You know, we want to park in our neighborhood or we want um, these uh, different things, but how do we pay for them, right? <laughs> how do we make those things a reality? And so... Um, yeah, since I've been elected, that's kind of been my focus, too, is really supporting um, areas in which I feel would, will continue to make our city thrive. I didn't run because I was upset with an issue, but I ran to see really, um, you know, my side of town's voice um, at the table. And so, yeah, I mean, they're the really simple everyday things like making sure that our streets look good and our lights are on and our parks are um, spread all over town and uh, resources are available to all families but also focusing on things like economic development. Our, our town is very, very small, the town of 12,000. 
and we're right off 99 and we're a Swedish village. And so it's capitalizing on that uh, tourism aspect and really trying to get people out here. Um, of course, um, a big and huge focus of mine is um, affordable housing. And so we've seen one affordable housing complex come in since I've been here for seniors specifically, but I would love to see plans to expand that to really any low income person. Um, gosh, the list goes on and on, but you know, just kind of focusing on those highlighted things and just doing my best to be an accessible leader and um, available because, you know, what is your city government if you don't even know they're there? So, yeah. And in, for the future, what are you looking forward to accomplish and what would you like to see happen? So our young people are a very important part of our community. And so we have an established youth council. However, we do not have those children engaged at all because it kind of fell off because of COVID. And so, um, and, and building off of COVID too, I think we're reimagining the way that people can even get involved. One of my campaign promises was that I wanted um, people of all ages from grandparent to grandchild to really have their voices heard because, you know, I'm not going to claim to be anybody's voice, but I'm going to, I'm going to work hard to make sure that they're heard. And so that's back to the youth council and back to my campaign promise, which was, you know, having these meetings to be live streamed and accessible to the public and for all people. And so that has been accomplished since COVID because we kind of had to. And now we have this sort of hybrid meeting option, but I would like to see that continue past COVID. Um, once again, the affordable housing piece is really huge for me. That is something that I would like to see happen. Um, I only have a year left, but getting some, some work in place um, to make that possible for even future councils to, to work on. Um, and yeah, COVID really put a huge dent into a lot of the work that could be done. Um, but, um, yeah, but that's besides the point. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things and I feel like my brain is kind of mush because I've been working really hard to even understand, um, you know, what I've been doing in the past three years, but, um, it's just been really interesting too, because there's a huge learning curve for a lot of new electeds and, um, it's just important to prioritize, um, the city's needs and hearing what the constituents want and they want a safe community and they want, um, you know, a place for them to be able to live and grow. And our job is to keep it that way, if that makes sense. So, yeah. No, definitely, definitely. Um, really, really exciting work. And I know that you've also been, uh, you proposed something recently, like official, the official recognition of Pride Month, which we're currently celebrating. And you wanted to have it officially recognized um, by the city of Kingsburg, um, but unfortunately, it was met with resistance. Could you tell us a little bit more about that um, and what you're planning on doing after that for the community? Yeah, so I asked our council to recognize June as LGBTQ plus Pride Month. And, you know, we know that queer and um, the members of the LGBTQ plus community have, you know, made and continue to make really um great and lasting contributions to, you know, strengthen our society. And so I think a lot of people know that, but sometimes we forget because in 2021, um, we might not face as many challenges as, as we have in the past. But what I really tried to do was bring light to kind of a brief history, like timeline of what our community has been through. I mean, we think about obviously the obvious, like Stonewall riot, um, the AIDS epidemic, but if you think about it, just only in 2015, where we um, issued the right to even be married, and in 2017, the right to adopt. 
Um, and 2021 is, um, you know, becoming one of the worst years for anti-LGBTQ um, plus legislation in different state legislators across our country. And so I brought this to the table, really honestly knowing, I think a lot of people thought it was not prepared enough and that I can't count to three because that's how many votes I needed to see it pass. Um, I assure you all, I can count to three. Um, <laughs> I just kind of went in knowing this might not pass. But what I do know it's going to do is shed a light on an issue that a lot of our small rural communities in the Central Valley face. And that is we do not have a safe place for us to just be authentically real in ourselves, just to love who we love or be who we are, right? Because this isn't just about sexual orientation, but it's about gender identity. And I introduced this right before Pride Month and hoped that it would pass. But even though it didn't, um, to answer your question, the work that we are seeing happen now is, you know, my council might not have, you know, accepted my proposal, but they have committed to using the American Rescue Plan, so the ARPA funding that's coming to our city, to pour into mental health resources. It won't be specifically for um, LGBTQ+, but it will... Um, hopefully be able to partner with county or state or whoever to try to bring those mental health resources to our city and ensure that those therapists or social workers, whoever it is, are not discriminatory to, um, against anybody or anything. So it, it's brought a lot of really great things to the table, even though it didn't pass. There are groups that are being started. Um, my personal campaign is doing a Pride event at the end of the month on the 26th. Um, which is bringing a ton of resources to Kingsford, um, you know, and different local nonprofits and support groups. Um, so it's beautiful. And while I had to sit through four hours of public comment that were really excruciating and really ugly, um, it's taken a hit on my mental health. But I know that at the end of the day, it is towards something more positive. And anything that, you know, Black, Brown, or queer people have ever had to do in the past was never just handed to them. So, you know. Anything worth fighting for kind of <laughs> takes a hit, but you know, we do what we can. <laughs> and so building off of this idea of challenges and struggles, can you tell us a little bit about what challenged you and what you saw that encouraged you to then go and run and take on this position? And I think this can kind of even go hand in hand with the proposal that was made because when you are a young person, um, thinking of entering any field you're intimidated you're nervous you're scared of what other people might say but if you know that you're the best person for whatever job it is um, I would encourage young people to take that opportunity and and just go and just go and it's not going to come without challenges so for me when I ran I was constantly questioned about um, how how many hours a week do I spend being a mother and can I even serve as an elected official. And I wasn't asked that question by a voter or a neighbor. I was asked that question, how many hours do you spend being a mother a week or a month by the uh, county registrar? So the county clerk's office asked me that question because they needed to know if I could even put mother as a ballot designation. Well, folks, um, I did because I'm a mom and being a mom is a 24 seven job. You don't clock in or clock out. That was one of the um, first initial challenges that really struck me as just like, what the heck? Um, after that, it was um, young people can't hang on to a relationship longer than two years. How are you going to hold an office for four? 
And I was like, good question. Whoa, I didn't think about it that way. Uh, so little things like that. You know, I got asked if I was pro-choice or pro-life, if I was a Democrat, if I was a socialist, if I was um, a Bernie Sanders Democrat or a Hillary Democrat. Um, where did you grow up? Uh, you know, are you married yet? Are you going to get married? Um, just so many questions and challenges that I faced. And of course, it, it, you know, it keeps happening even after I was elected. My son has been called a fatherless child. I've been called, I mean, more names than I can even remember. But none of those things matter because we're here to do a job. And those challenges will hurt and will be hard. But, um, and then same with this pride proposal. I was told that I was a sinner, that I was going to go to hell for being bi, um, bisexual, um, and all these different things. It's like, okay, that's on you. Um, I'm cool. <laughs> I want to wake up tomorrow and be proud of myself and all of my community. Um, yeah, so, I mean, of course, it's going to come with those challenges, but it's just, like, I guess if you're willing to face them and endure yeah. kind of a struggle, um, then it'll be okay. Yeah. And, you know, I just want to say thank you, um, you know, just for you know, going through with this and, you know, the way that you talk about it is so like, you know, of course it's what you do if you do care. Um, but, you know, I do think it takes like really, and like you said, it's telling on your mental health. These challenges are difficult and it's so uh, impressive and inspiring and something that I really hope that a lot of listeners walk away from um, just being like grateful that people like you are out there um, and in our, are in these decision-making roles. Um, I do want to ask, because you kind of brought it up on, on the side of it being like a challenge you talked about earlier, uh, your relationships um, to your family and how, you know, that really is epitomizes who you are. What do you think, you know, those life experiences, um, being a mother and a student among other identities brings to the table and helps you and inspires you? And how does it motivate you within this role? I love that question. Because think about it, like, our or my constituency and really anybody's, I mean, anywhere across the nation consists of mothers, parents, college students, young people, old people. My gra- I, I live in a house with my grandmother. You know, she's 70 years old. I hear her perspective a little bit more than I would like to. Um, it, it consists of, like I said, those young people, the, the sisters and the brothers and just the young siblings. Um, it consists of rich and it consists of low income and middle class, black, brown, white, Asian, uh, queer, straight, all of it, right? And so being able to identify with so many different parts of uh, our beautiful community helps my decision-making. You know, we're talking about um, increasing rates in anything or um, during COVID, right, you know, kind of putting a pause on uh, for like utilities, right? So like, if you can't pay it, you can't pay it. I know what that's like. You know, I know what it's like to maybe not have enough money to buy diapers. You know, I serve on a nonprofit board in Fresno. It's called Fresno EOC. And they provide resources to low-income families, um, job training, um, WIC, which helps pay for families' food, um, things that are help with like housing assistance, all of these types of things. And I know those experiences because I've, or struggles because I've experienced them firsthand. And so coming to the table with maybe not 20 or 30 years of experience in a certain field or fancy degrees yet, but 
I come with life experience because that's, I mean, I grew up this way. I grew up with a single mom um, and two younger brothers. So when we think about who we're electing, it's really important to think not just about all of the things that make them qualified, but about who they are, what they stand for, and what they're going to advocate for, right? Because you can be, like I said, any fancy degrees, years of experience, but not have a clue what's going on on the ground and what people actually need and are trying to do to either get by, like survive, or just like keep things cool for them. I don't know if that answers the question, but I get very passionate about that one. (laughs) No, definitely, definitely did. Thank you so much. To build off of that, I know that this past year has been kind of an awakening for a lot of young people, especially high school students. Um, And they've decided to take on and be a part of political movements and have been faced with lots of challenges and realized that the world may not necessarily want to listen to young people. And so for them, what would you tell them that their role is in all of this? And what advice would you give them when they are met with the same challenges that you've described? I, my heart hurts so bad when I think about the fact that so many young people, including myself and um, and friends of mine, almost feel this urgent call to action because it's like, you know, the pe- some, you know, a lot of people before us have fought a really good and hard fight. But a lot of the times the politicians or people that we see in power don't seem to have that same urgent sense of what we need and what we need now, right? And so for us, it can be really hard or really easy to jump in and just try to do everything. And I have been very guilty of this. And I, I get very emotional about it because, you know, you try your best to do so much. And then you're just draining yourself. And so my best advice um, to any young people wanting to get involved is, of course, give it your all. Speak up about what you're passionate about, whether that be just, you know, um, calling your local electeds or your state electeds and telling them how you feel they should vote or working directly in your community and organizing your neighbors, whatever it is. Right. There's no, you know, certain way you're supposed to organize and advocate. But take care of yourself. And I think this message is especially strong during Pride Month for me in my life because of what just happened, right? And I explained earlier, I was met with so much controversy and so much um, homophobia. And all throughout Pride Month, I want to celebrate. I want liberation. And I want to keep fighting for these things. But I'm being weighed down by those comments still. And being weighed down by the comments telling me that this is like a personal crusade, even though it's just who I am. And so the number one message for young people is to take care of yourself. And not everybody has the opportunity to see a therapist or to seek that kind of counseling. But if you do, use it. Because you cannot stand up and advocate for other people. And I'm still learning from this, okay? So I'm not perfect. But you cannot stand up and advocate Mm -hmm. for other people until you take care of yourself. Because what good are you to anybody if you are literally falling apart inside even if it looks like you got it together. <laughs> I look like I got it together, right? But um, I have to make sure that I'm taking care of myself. And I very openly talk about going to therapy every two weeks because, hey, she keeps me going. Shout out to my therapist. She's my homie, right? Um, so there's so much stigma around taking care of yourself. And in this kind of work, it is so, so important. Yeah, wow. No, I think that that's really well said, especially like, 
for like for young people and and I'm sure and I'm sure maybe it's happened in you know it's happened in the past um, but I think there's just definitely like this huge weight and pressure on young people right now and the burnout's real but like <laughs> and it's hard and yeah there's so much yeah. pushback and feedback that happens um that you know in someone of of your position which just has you know it's such a direct such an easy target I think um to just for people to release you know their anger or their opposition um and it's really impressive how you've been able to bounce back and also to you know deliver that message to others and um it's just something I think that is really really central that we often overlook and so thank you for saying that um and and kind of building off of that for for other young people uh who are in decision making roles um such as yourself what advice would you give to them uh when they're in like that position specifically what kind of things do you think that they should be focusing on, uh, maybe dealing with criticisms or anything else that you might think would be valuable? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, okay, so if you're at a decision-making table, I mean, this is how I see it, um, and you're kind of facing the pressure of, you know, what to do. Maybe it's a hot topic, it's controversial, or maybe it's just a really tough decision. I mean, a lot of times, especially when money is involved, really trying to be good stewards of your money and, and how to best uh, utilize it and stretch it in a way. So yeah, I've had a lot of those moments where I'm sitting at the table and I'm like, oh. And sometimes um, I walk into the room knowing exactly what I want to do and my mind has changed. Because truly when you're at the table, it's not what you think or your voice really, it's who you are, but it's about the people that you represent. So if you're on a school board, you know, you want to hear from the students and the teachers and the parents. Or if you're on a city council, you obviously want to hear from your whole, uh, all of your constituents, especially the ones in your district on your side of town. Um, if you're on an ASB or an ASG, you want to hear from your students to know what they want. You know, I remember I was in ASB in high school and I was like, okay, what thing do we want to do for, I don't know, homecoming, right? And it's like, it depends on what you're hearing from your friends and, um, and from your people. And so my best advice for anybody sitting at that kind of table or taking hits, maybe for standing up for something they do believe in because it is the right thing to do um, and it might not be popular, you know, hold your ground, but also come in with an open mind, heart, and ears. You have to be, I mean, I heard things at my council meeting that made sense to me. Somebody said, I think a support group would make um, a bigger difference in a flag. I, I, I hear that. I agree with that. But, you know, you, you can do both. Um, but that's besides the point. Um, so yeah, coming in with that open heart and mind, hearing from people, moving really beyond yourself and remembering why you're there. And then when the going does get tough because you're standing up for something that is just the right, plain and simple, the right thing to do, just know that, you know, you are standing on the right side of history, whatever that issue may be. And for me, it was this pride proclamation and uh, flag. I knew that in 2021, <laughs> this, um, this is the right thing to do. It's always been the right thing to do. But especially now, it's really important to stand up for these things. And, you know, it's really hard, but stand that ground, ground yourself, and remember that, you know, you're there for a reason. You were elected for a reason. I, I know you mentioned ASB, um, and as someone who did leadership in high school and did like MUN um, and journalism and things like that, how did your experiences in those in that type of position and just in high school in general um, 
affect or like urge you to go and take on bigger roles? <laughs> I love this question so much. Um, <laughs> when I was a senior, I did the ASB and my position was commissioner of publicity. So I did the announcements every morning. So I really thought I was going to be reading every morning. I, I did. And I did do this, but I don't know. Well, I was so terrible. And this is really funny. I was so terrible at reading out loud. I had no problems learning how to read or reading. Learned from a very young age. I was always so nervous to do it out loud. And you wouldn't think it now because I give speeches and I do this and that. But I hated reading off of a piece of paper out loud. It was so hard for me. And I knew that about myself. So I was like, hey, I hate this about myself. I wish I could change it. So I'm just going to put myself in a position where I have to read out loud every single day. And I did it and I survived. And guess what? I can read better out loud now. Um, I don't know. <laughs> so in that position, um, I had the opportunity to work alongside other people who I really did not agree with. And they know that now. Um, and they knew that then, you know, they were really just totally just opposite of me. And we would constantly get into arguments and never bad. It was, it was a good discussion and debate, but like, I don't want to do this because of this and well, we should do that. So it really taught me how to work with people that I don't agree with is my point. And so we would always come down to like a conclusion and everybody would get along and it would be good. Maybe we wouldn't, but we would respect each other and understand, Hey, the students elected you in here for a reason. Like, come on, get over it. Um, and, you know, don't ask them about all my work when I was on the ASB. I will not give you their names because I did fall asleep during some of my meetings. Um, high school was rough. I worked at a job and it was crazy life. But all of this to say, those positions are so important. And I think it's so exciting that we have that opportunity, like our opportunity throughout school and in high school and in college. It, it teaches you how to work alongside people that you might not agree with or maybe that you really do like put your brains together and get something done. Um, it's really exciting. And then it also gives you the opportunity to see what that could look like as you get older. I knew by the time I got onto the Community Services Commission at 18, I had just graduated, but I had been doing Brown Act and board meetings for a whole year before that, right? Because I was on the ASB. So it's a great opportunity. I would highly encourage anybody who's um, interested to do it, just do it. And you don't win, you don't win. You win, you do a good job. And maybe do it again or you don't. But um, it's a great learning opportunity. And I had a great time. And I think really anybody who served in those kinds of positions in high school would say that they did too. So <laughs> definitely go for it if you can and want to. Totally. No, I think uh, I did a little bit of like leadership experience at my university. And I just remember walking away from it being like, oh, my gosh, I just learned so much more than I probably will ever learn <laughs> in a single right. year ever again um and yeah it's just so helpful and it's also just really validating um once you get in a role because you realize like oh everyone is kind of just like doesn't know what they're doing you just have to learn and that'll be like until you get into a job <laughs> until you yeah. like get it like there's some there's some things that are just like you like no one is an expert not okay not, maybe I'm generalizing a lot there but like a lot of the times you know there's always something that you can learn more about um yeah. and it's okay to to not to not maybe know everything but to know that you have support and like reach out for that support and get that extra support whether that be from like the people that you're working with like how you brought it up earlier or even you know support and working on yourself like how you brought in the reading out loud thing um right no it's very similar similar process as far as the reading stuff goes um <laughs> definitely still an issue and I and for yeah for people who are like oh my gosh I don't have like any like leadership skills and like can't speak out loud 
Uh, I do feel that way still, and um, they let me host this podcast, so like that's really cool. <laughs> um, but no, it's I mean, so true, it's so true. So thanks for being there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just takes yeah, a little, no, so real. A boost in yourself and like a little practice. <laughs> and like I said, you wouldn't think it because I can yeah. really talk to anybody or give any speech at any time. But like, I was really nervous to speak. I was, I was, I, I do. I think I like to sing more in public than I do speak. And so it was a huge learning curve for me to be like, "Ooh, I gotta tell them. They want to hear me speak. Why? <laughs> what? Um, no, yeah, that, so, oh, that's so yeah, amazing. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that's so no, it's so good to hear. Um, I think it's like a really important lesson, and um, especially when people are like trying to you know find their voice in like a political realm particularly I think that can be a really intimidating factor of it is like maybe not feeling like they can be at the front of the message um so really really cool uh, the other thing I wanted to touch on um is just going back to you know the degree that you're working on at the at the same time and um if I'm correct you're working on sociology and I think it's really interesting to you know be in a role where you're having like all this like hands-on practical experience at the same time maybe getting like a very I don't know uh, like holistic as in, like, a holistic degree that, like, really approaches life through all of the different, you know, social constructs that are, in like, available that maybe you don't really think about before you get to, you know, such a such a degree. Um, I know currently, like, even studying it a little bit, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I wish I would have known this earlier. How has your degree impacted, you know, the way that you are currently holding your other positions, um, both your positions as like a council member, um, but maybe also like as a mom and a sister? Yeah, I mean, I decided, well, I, I'm studying sociology um, in hopes to get my master's in social work, right? So I think a lot of people assumed about me and still might assume this about me, that I'm a career politician and that's all I've ever really wanted to do with my life. Um, I will share some things here that I don't think I've ever really shared anywhere else. So woohoo, look at your exclusive interview. Um, I, growing <laughs> up, I wanted to be the first, um, like, because we didn't have much, I guess, like representation in like the like pop culture world. Um, like we did, but like my icon was Hannah Montana. And I was like, well, I want to be a brown Hannah Montana. Like we don't have her, you know <laughs> what I mean? And as the years have gone on, it's been really exciting to see this just really great inclusion. And, and that's another story for another day. But um, yeah, I remember thinking I was, I, as I mentioned earlier, I was into singing and, and jazz choir and drama, um, theater. I wanted to go to school, um, to the school, like the school of arts in like San Francisco. Like that's where I wanted to go. And when people hear that, they're just like, what? No, you didn't. You're a career politician. It's like, eh, no, I'm not. Um, I was studying sociology because um, I'm not studying political science. There's nothing wrong with studying political science. But I didn't, this this position really called to me. I didn't really run to it, if that makes sense. So um, after yeah. um, that drama and all of that dream kind of um, ended, I even, I remember at one point, I even wanted to serve um, in the in the army reserve that's another thing a lot of people don't know about me so I have this weird like you know we all do this task to find out what we really want to do but social work and really just understanding people um, in a way has always really been close to my heart and so I decided to go with that because I want to be the social worker that my family needed when I was growing up or that I need right now I mean like it helps you navigate resources and social services in a way that, you know, on a personal level. So, yeah, I mean, my degree has, I mean, I don't have 
my degree yet. I just have an AA. But um, I would say that, you know, you're going through the basic classes and just like general ed and everything. But as far as, you know, the classes that have been focused on psychology or sociology, just helps you understand social behavior and just who humans are in general um, and why maybe they are the way that they are. It's like always tracing back to root causes of just like, you know, maybe they act this way, but what is that reason? I don't know. And I already think like that in my everyday life. So, you know, it just focuses on us. And in this role, and in any role that I'll ever hold, if I decide to run again for anything, it's very important to have this degree um, because it is just the study of people. And I want to work to represent people. So how can I do that without understanding them and their struggles? So, yeah, I've really enjoyed some of the classes that I've taken, especially it was, I think it was, a, I think it was a sociology class that, that we had to, you know, help. Like it was like this game where we had to have this mother figure out how she was going to pay for everything in her month with only so much money. And it was like, whoa, you have to understand her struggle. Like I love college and I love learning. So I'm excited to keep going (laughs) at the next place. But um, yeah, I look forward to seeing, you know, even more so after transferring just how much this degree comes into play with the work that I do. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Really, really cool. Thank you for sharing. And, you know, Either either this is all true or it's all or it's just like a really good front for your pop star career that you actually have on the side. <laughs> no, that's that's really that's really, really awesome. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Before we get into the next question on here, I know you talked a little bit about like the way people perceive you. Um and I know that like I, our identity can be like a huge part of who we are, but not the only thing in terms of like what we want to accomplish. And so what do you think are some misconceptions that have been made about you because you're bisexual and you're running for office and you're young? Um, and what do you want to make clear to people about who you really are and what's true and what isn't? I joke with people all the time um, that are on the opposite side of the political spectrum that than me. You know, um, I've associated myself with people like Bernie Sanders or AOC, right? And it's like, so they assume that, um, I don't know, like when they see me, I'm going to bark or bite. I don't, I don't really know what they think sometimes. Um, but what I do when I approach people is I just, I'm just myself. And I don't say I'm a leftist or I'm a this, I'm, I'm Jewel. And I, I'm working and fighting towards a society and, you know, life where all people are equal. There's equity. And there's just justice for everybody. And I mean, like, and I, I said earlier, those experienced like struggles are why I do what I do. It's not political to me. Politics to me is people. And, you know, politics has an impact on the air that we breathe, the water that we drink, the streets that we have, the sidewalks that we have or don't have, right? Lights that are on, healthcare that we have, rights that we have. Um, so yeah, I mean, the thing that I think people think a lot about me is that I am just another, you know, pumped out another politician from the Democratic Party. And that is just, that is just not true. I'm a person with thoughts and feelings, <laughs> first of all. Um, but also, I'm just a normal and like regular person. And, you know, like I said, politics is about people. It isn't about power or about money. It's just I just, I'm not just politics and I'm not just queer and I'm not just a woman, right? Like I like to 
I like to do karaoke and I like to take my son to the park. I'm just normal. I'm a Joe Schmo. And I happen to have a powerful voice right now. And so I'm going to do my best to advocate for what I think is important. But, you know, I'm just a pretty average, regular gal. <laughs> just a regular teenage girl. <laughs> the best of both worlds. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, absolutely. You know what I say? It's brutal out here. And for those of you that understand, you understand, but it's brutal out here. And I, you know, and I think this might even give a better insight as to like who I am. Like I'm binging Friends right now, again, for the second time, because I've watched every single episode. And I'm watching High School Musical, the musical series. Okay. So I am just as 22 as the rest of us, right? Um, I just happen to also have a really intense job um, on the side. <laughs> Actually, the high school musical watching is on the side. The, the intense job is at the forefront um, and the mother, mothering thing. But um, yeah, I'm just, I'm pretty normal. And I think that's that, that misconception of just like, oh, she's going to like start yelling at me. Uh, no, guys, like, come on. I can have a conversation. And I, uh, contrary to popular belief, I can um you know sit at the table with republicans or you know no party and and have a great time just it's just it's possible (laughs) and i know we talked a little bit about what you would say to young people who want to get involved and what's helped you um but on the flip side what would you what do you think how what do you what role does mentorship play in all of this um what do you feel when you were younger that could could have been done to help you get your voice out there? What moments were you like, they should be asking young people about this? Or even now, what do you, what would you like to see from elders in public service? Yeah, I think elders in public service have a great opportunity, especially right now to just mobilize, be understanding and, um, and just to not work us like robots, but to treat us like people because we are, and we might have a lot of energy, but you know, we deserve to be treated with the same amount of care as really anybody that walks in whatever doors um, you're in space you're working in. Uh, mentorship is huge. Finding somebody that you value and cares about you. It also can be hard in politics though, because a lot of people are really just looking out for themselves. And so it's finding that core group of people that um, can support you. And I have that thankfully. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, just in general, when you're walking into these spaces, I've been, I remember I was asked, um, I walked into a space and somebody was like, you're not running for office, are you? Because nobody knows your name. And I was like, what? I'm not running for office. Like, what? And what? Like, it was just weird. And so it's like, people are going to assume <laughs> things or want, or just like try to give you their, you know, I've heard of candidates who have walked into rooms and are really excited and they've been told to change their names because they're not white enough. Um, things like that, right? Like, don't let those things get you down. Look for those, that core group of people, um, and lean on or listen to stories or be inspired by, and if it's somebody like me, is that person for you? Awesome. If it's somebody else, like, um, throughout history, I have so many, but you know, like dig into that and, and don't let anything really get in your way, but then to the elders, yeah, just, you know, treat us with care. And sometimes we don't have money for gas. So like, you know, help, help the sister out. I don't know. <laughs> that's real though. I mean, that's, I've experienced that too. They're like, can you be here? Can you be here? I'm like, well, you're not paying me. So no. Um, yeah. Also make sure you get paid. That's just another yeah. pretty basic thing. <laughs> Especially now with like job market stuff, like there's such a fine line between like needing that experience and, and having like productive experience that is voluntary versus, you know, being taken advantage of. Um, 
And it's definitely worth, like, having that conversation because you could have a really good, like, opportunity volunteer experience, but there, there's definitely, like, a limit, um, which is, like, a really, really good point. And, um, okay, so our final question, and this is something that we asked to, to all of our guests. What is, like, one thing that you would like to tell yeah, young people listening as well as policy professionals, you know, what your advice would be to them? I think that young people have a very special place in helping create and um, craft policies that are um, not only inclusive, but that are just actually what we need. Um, I think really anybody has an opportunity, but especially young people right now, because we are what is going to be handed, um, like what, what is left is going to be handed to us, if that makes sense. And so we have to start getting creative with how we want to see the future for our children and for ourselves, right? Even if you don't want kids, what, what kind of world do you want to grow up in? And so, yeah, there's a, there's that intersection there of just like, whew, like we're here and policy is there and how do we get from point A to point B to victory, right? Um, but, but there's so many ways that you can get involved. And like I said, you don't have to run for city council or any office at 19. It, it is kind of a lot, I'll be honest. But um, there are so many ways that you can collaborate with local elected states. Or, you know, a simple tweet sometimes, um, connecting people to other ways, the petitions they sign. I don't care. Whatever way you feel you're making an impact, give that your all. And also, when you are thinking about what you're supporting in whatever side of the aisle you're on, understand how that might impact people and how realistic it, that is for people and um, everyone, not just maybe those groups that you are in, but how it's going to, you know, make the world a better place for all people involved. So I don't know. I, I know I've touched on that a little bit, so I don't want to just like reiterate things I've already said, but give it your all. And um, it's, it's, it's people, not really politics. <laughs> Policy for people is, is the way to look at it. Well, uh, really, thank you so, so much for joining us today on Policy Wise. Really special conversation. And just, yeah, really exciting to hear about all of the great stuff that you've accomplished, um, but also just how much inspiration I think you're gonna have on like future people and all of that they're gonna accomplish as well. So um, thank you. I really enjoyed this and listening to you talk. And I think this is something people need to hear. So appreciate you coming on. I'm glad. Sometimes I'm like, gosh, I really talk a lot. <laughs> um, so I make like, I know it's a podcast and that's what I'm supposed to do, but sometimes I'm like, am I talking too much? I hope this is good. I hope we're getting something out of this. No, it's perfect. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Policy Wise. We are your hosts, Demetria and Mahek Kondru. What topics would you like to hear about and who would you like to hear from? Check out the episode description for a link to our survey. PolicyWise is a production of Youth Leadership Institute in partnership with California Forward and their Young Leaders Advisory Council. Youth Leadership Institute makes sure young people are at the decision-making tables across California. California Forward leads a statewide movement bringing people together across communities, regions, and interests to improve government and ensure the economy works for everyone. This episode was produced by Tim Haydock and Jarrett Ramones, edited by Jarrett Ramones, and social media graphics were created by Abby Pugh. The music was sourced from artlist.io. To discuss this episode, engage with us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at PolicyWisePod and hashtag your discussions with hashtag PolicyWise. Thanks so much.